The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series created by Mercedes Lackey and Steve Libby. Presenting Book 3, World Well Lost. Moving Mountains, Part 2. Written by Steve Libby. Read by Veronica Jaguer. Nothing could have prepared the metahumans of Echo, or the citizens of Atlanta, for the scale of the undertaking to move the mountain out of the city of his birth. Dozens of Daniel Ferrari's pilots, sailors, technicians, and engineers swarmed over the three hovercraft, ensuring that the vessels would not collapse under the load. Assembling behind them was a fleet of fuel trucks, freshly polished, glinting in the early morning sun, and emblazoned with the corporate logos of the hastily recruited sponsors of the mountain's parade. And behind those, spread in a crescent, a National Guard tank battalion, grim and ominous in the festive atmosphere. Gathered together at the mountain's feet were the majority of Echo's strong men and women, flyers and telekinetics, shipped in from every facility in the lower 48. While Daniel Ferrari and his engineers averred that the juggernaut heavy cargo hovercraft could support the load, Tesla was taking no chances. Like casket bearers, the metahumans would provide further support in case of a stall. From Ramona's vantage out of the side of a military helicopter, the park surrounding the stone mountain teemed with formerly urban and suburban fauna. Families with lawn chairs and coolers, hip-hop teens, good old boys, suburban professionals. Few had glimpsed the reclusive mountain before, unless they happened to be in his way as he stormed the Echo Campus to fend off the fool invaders. He towered over the proceedings like a monument, moving little, except to shift his bulk from foot to foot. She switched on the secure channel broadcasting to a speaker system adhered over his ear like a hearing aid. It's Ramona. Nod your head if this contraption is working. He gave a slight nod that nevertheless attracted the attention of thousands of onlookers. I'll stay with you the whole way, Bill, I promise. They're telling me it will be a 25-hour trip. How do you take your coffee? This is serious business, detective said Lloyd-Jones, also on the channel. We have to stay focused to deliver the target to Destination Alpha. No idle chatter on this channel, understood? Over. Ramona rolled her eyes. Blow it out your ass, Lloyd. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Over. To satisfy herself, she flipped the bird to the cluster of vans where she supposed Lloyd must be. Hey, pilot boy! Drop me off by the freaks, okay? The pilot glanced back. Pilot girl, ma'am, and you got it. With swift skill, she guided the copter to a clearing cordoned off her aircraft. Holding her briefcase over her head for protection, Ramona dashed from under the whirling blades and headed for the metahumans. Their trepidation was immediately palpable. Whether they had been present for Bill's rampage or seen footage of it, Each knew that they were the first line of defense in case of disaster. Disaster being the mountain refusing to move. Yankee pride waved her over. Morning, honey. Nice day for a parade, he said. Folks, I assume you know Detective Ferrari, our rising star in Echo Ops. Since she's been working closely with the mountain, we asked her to prepare the briefing, which is now underway. Sweat gathered on her forehead. 
two dozen metahumans looked her over, listening intently, and possibly questioning her authority. She recognized Jaws of Life, Corby, the remaining three winds, Matai and Motu, Handsome Devil and his war-armed lady Shakti, Silent Knight, Flack, the new recruit Harmony, Einhorn, leader of the pack and his dogs, Scope, and finally a strange pair next to Belladonna Blue, a stately severe woman in a red uniform adorned with a hammer and sickle, resting her hand on the shoulder of a rocky humanoid barely five feet tall but just as wide. She guessed they were members of the Russian team CCCP, who had set up shop in South Atlanta, but who invited them along was a mystery. Or even why? This was an echo matter, not a metahuman mixer. Metahumans and ops were supposed to work side by side, but metahuman powers imposed an inescapable hierarchy. Even though a man who could fly wasn't necessarily smarter than a chain-smoking detective. In that spirit, she lit one up despite the shifting wind. Ma'am, we're going over your briefing, but it doesn't make much sense. Restrain the mountain if he resists forward progress. Can you elaborate on that directive? Like explain how anyone has a hope in hell of doing anything but getting squashed like a bug, exclaimed Southwind, more dour than ever. Sorry, but it had to be said. The only reason we're here is to assuage Tesla's conscience. If the mountain gets pissed, we're expected to be trampled first. He paused. Although, given that I can fly, I'll be watching him trample the rest of you. Funny, Ramona said. First time I've ever heard whining from an echo metahuman. I'll field that question, Yankee Pride said. Let's get this straight. The mountain is one of our own. No matter how weird or dangerous he seems, no one left behind counts for him, too. Now, I don't have to go into how he pulled out that from the fire. I shouldn't have to. Echo ain't a group of mercenary thugs like Blacksnake. We're a peacekeeping organization in the fullest sense of the word. Peace. Peace may ask you for a sacrifice, and Lord knows we've been asked a lot this year. It won't get any easier. He nodded at Ramona. This little lady has as much spitfire as any meta three I've met. Hell, she may even be meta, though the only power we can figure out is deadly accuracy with the Xerox. That produced a chuckle from the crowd. She's had more face time with the mountain than anyone else. Uh, consider her a liaison between us and the big guy. Ma'am, are you ready to tell us about that directive? Sure thing. She ground out her cigarette. Bill has agreed to cooperate, but he's agitated by the prospect of riding ass first at 20 miles per hour down the highway. There's no guarantee I can calm him. Hell, I have to use the speaker just to be heard over the ambient noise. Our version of giant headphones. The trick is to make him feel honored. I need the flyers to stay in line of sight so he knows you're there. When we have to alter course to get around an overpass, the bricks and the telekinetics should provide lift. Whether it's enough isn't relevant. He just has to feel it. That is why I'm bringing Comrade Chug, the Russian woman piped up. He is like little brother to your giant, and very, very strong, that Chug. The stony man nuzzled her hand like a dog. Ramona blinked, distracted. They were weird. Yeah, well, um, great. 
The rest of you, follow Spin Doctor at the Vanguard. Tanks next, regardless of what General Stateside has to say about it. Bulwark cleared his throat. Apologies, ma'am, but you didn't answer the question. What if the mountain resists forward progress? What if he panics? Then we're dead meat, Ramona said, meeting his gaze. There's nothing you can do but give the civilians time to escape. In the ensuing silence, Bulwark seemed thoughtful considering her words. He nodded. That's all I needed to know. Thank you. A flurry of confirmations over the comm sent everyone to their proper places. From her vantage point, the parade was an impressive display in its own right, with hastily commissioned banners, loudspeakers for Spin Doctor's speech, and cheery decorations for the hovercraft. Only the knowledge that it was the beginning of exile for the mountain dulled her satisfaction. Spin Doctor buzzed her. T-minus one minute. Go catch a ride on your bird, and we'll send our boy off with a bang. Right. And Doc? Thank you. I mean it. She could almost hear his wink. He's one of us, Ramona. No need for thanks. At 10.15 a.m., a little off schedule, the mountain's journey to the coast began, amid marching bands, confetti, and cheers from the Georgians who hadn't succumbed to the resentment building up over Echo's role in the city. An undercurrent of fear ran through the proceedings, fear that the mountain might indulge a whim to stand and obliterate everyone in his path. The mountain, however, only turned his head slightly and lifted a finger now and again to acknowledge the applause. The state of Georgia, while grudgingly accepting Echo's terms for transportation, gave them a very limited window of opportunity to make the trip. Once out of Stone Mountain at walking speed, the caravan would rev up to 20 miles per hour, requiring the metahumans to ride in echo vans unless deployed to help hoist the mountain around overpasses. I-75 had to be blocked off for miles in either direction as the procession crept west. Transportation engineers had planned the route carefully, finding clever ways to avoid impassable obstacles, such as interchanges or bridges. When traffic was halted, crowds gathered to watch the once-in-a-lifetime spectacle. Despite the mandated 20-mile-per-hour pace, they were lucky to achieve 10 miles per hour. The highways were simply not designed for such a wide load. Engineers ranged far ahead, and Ramona began to load the sight of their cars zooming back to warn of another hitch. That she and Spin Doctor, through persuasion and a hasty planning session, could initiate such a massive and confused undertaking boggled her mind with apprehension. Just one hang-up would be enough to stall them out. Would Bill feel trapped if they stopped to formulate a new plan? Her pilot hovered the copter at enough distance to provide her a clear line of sight. To an outsider, the mountain's face would seem expressionless, but Ramona knew Bill all too well. The subtle shifts of his eyebrows, the corners of his mouth, the angle of his iridescent eyes. He recognized the parade as a sham, a show, a play for public sympathy while he was literally run out of town. In that moment, she wanted to toss it all aside, let him loose to demolish backyards and city parks and roadways and farmhouses. Like an overprotective mother sending her fragile son to a school fraught with bullies, Ramona could shed her principles to return to him some modicum of freedom that his prior life, however quotian, had allowed him.
yet her job was the very opposite. Eight hours in. How are you holding up? The giant nodded his head. The lead hovercraft's engine roared to maintain lift under shifting weight. Easy there, buddy. I know what you mean. No need to squirm. Just relax. She searched for something to say. Their light-hearted conversations were a thing of the past. What does one say to a friend being wheeled into surgery? It's going to be okay. Seriously. The mountain shrugged, grinding the four hovercraft into the asphalt. The procession stopped abruptly, smoke spewing out from under the hovercraft's skirts. Over the open channel, Ramona heard her cousin cursing very much like a sailor. Bill! Bill, you can't move without destroying your transportation. Please, just try to hold it in. Please! He shrugged again. Ramona swore off-channel. He was defying her, potentially blowing the deal in the process. She flicked back to his channel. God damn it, Bill, I put a ton of work into this project. If you screw it, I'll carve you an asshole where you don't have one now. With a rumble audible over the helicopter's whirring blades, the mountain lifted his hand and flipped Ramona the bird. Son of a bitch, she growled, remembering to mute the channel. The operations channel beeped at her. Reluctantly, she changed to it and grimaced in anticipation. What in the name of hell are you telling him? Lloyd-Jones, not Tesla, hollered into the comm. Aren't you supposed to be our fae, Ray? Soothe your beast, or this nonsense ends here. Ends? Is that a threat from Echo's lead janitor? Stay on task. Over and out. Pilot shouted back. Ma'am, do you need for me to land? No, wait, yes, put me down on his chest. Yes, ma'am, the pilot affirmed with enthusiasm. Ramona supposed these pilots spent their lives waiting for ridiculous, heroic commands. The copter swooped in towards the giant, who had dropped his arm back down again, again straining the lift of the vessels. Ramona held on for dear life as the pilot guided her bird in like a hawk, pulling up at the last minute to hover a few feet from the mountain's chest. With a gulp, Ramona leapt onto the rocky plain and scrambled to get away from the copter as it lifted off. The view from the mountain's chest was remarkable. At three stories up, above the tree line, the landscape spread before her in patches of untamed green and groomed brown. Birds passed by, unimpressed by the slow-moving intruder in their airy. Past his feet she saw the tanks and ground troops as tiny props. She turned around and marched up to his head. Don't bother looking. I'm on your chest. Uncomfortable, the mountain whispered. The vibrations of the words shook her feet. This is as good as it's going to get. I need you on my side here, Bill. This plan is all we have. It took me a hell of a lot of arm-twisting and brown-nosing to make it happen, and damned if I'll let you screw it up. Do I have to repeat that? No. Damn right I don't. The weight of it all made her shoulders sag. I'm running on fumes. Fourteen hours is not a long time. You probably put in those hours at your old office gig. <sighs> he grunted, bouncing Ramona into the air. She landed on her backside. 
Would you stop? She picked herself up, but her anger did not shake. Has it gotten through to you that you're not going to be normal ever again? No matter how hard you sulk in your cave, or stomp on things, or belly ache to me, nothing will change. Even... And she knew she was about to cross a line. Even if you do come to a point of acceptance about your condition, every day you will be reminded of what you have lost. I just can't fight with you anymore. God knows what you've gone through would crush most people. It sure ruined your life, but we're still here, together, in this mess with hovercrafts and tanks and nervous metas and pissed-off politicians. That's how fate rewards us for patience, courage, whatever. We don't get a gold star for good behavior. What we have we fight for, and we may lose it anyway. Now, I lost a kid brother to pneumonia when I was six. You know how often I think about the sound of him hacking up his lungs in the next room night after night? Every damn day I think about him a little. And sometimes a lot. Sometimes the bottle of wine I get wasted and cry when I imagine him alive now, working some crap job like yours. But that doesn't do me any good, comparing life with Tony to life without Tony. He died, I'll die, you might die. And you're alive right now, being carted to the Atlantic Ocean by a hundred people, and what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Because it is what is happening. A subsonic rumble beneath her was her only acknowledgement that she had been heard. It's not a transaction, Bill. We're not keeping track of how many people you resisted stomping into goo. We're just taking you to the coast. Deal with it. Turning her back on the prone face of the mountain, Ramona waved to the helicopter to pick her up the drop zone on top. On the perimeter of Savannah's industrial zone, with the ocean in sight, the procession ground to a halt. An elevated interchange stood in the way. With no less than four levels, each twisting over the one below, the overpasses formed a nest of blind concrete snakes whose skin had been shedding for decades. Only from the air could one make sense of the pattern. Exit ramps, highways, and underpasses had assumed their positions without consulting each other. To complicate matters further, a bridge stood between the interchange and the designated departure point where the warehouses and cranes had long been abandoned. The Georgia humidity mixed with the salty air to brutalize the leftover machines with rust and grime. Although the traffic had been cleared for miles, the problem remained. How to hoist the mountain over the elevated highways without destroying them. Ramona, Tesla, and Lloyd-Jones stood in the shade, as far away from the roaring vehicles, discussing solutions with their cousin Daniel and his lead engineer, a dour man whose confidence was only expressed in second-guessing. He pointed north. Before the road levels out, the railroad tracks rise to meet the bridge to Wilmington. South, Maritime Street dips down underneath, so no support there. Neither the street nor the block has been used for years, Lloyd-Jones said. Can't we just uh, plow through them? You bet, the engineer said, grinning wickedly. We'll just hunker down here for a year while you sort out the paperwork with the city. You can't spit on the sidewalk in Savannah without incurring a fee for defacing historic property. Odds are there's a nail in a wall that was hammered by a founding father. Tesla waved the man quiet. We get the idea. Now, do we have any options at all? I do, Daniel said with the same blunt candor as Ramona. It's easier to get forgiveness than permission. I say we just walk him through the most decrepit area until he gets to the water. 
The hovercraft can lead him out onto the continental shelf at that point. We'll have a mess on our hands, but the lawyers can sort it out later. Jesus Christ, Ramona said. Do you have anything to offer that doesn't come from fairy la-la land? Just because they're abandoned doesn't mean they're unoccupied. Daniel shrugged. Suit yourself. My men are tired and the hovercrafts are sagging under the load. Whatever you decide to do, do it quick. He and his engineer strode off. Shouldn't we have a city rep out here if we're talking demolition? Ramona said. We are definitely not considering demolition, Tesla said. We are looking for solutions. Lloyd-Jones gave a weary, sleep-deprived sigh. Ferrari, Mr. Ferrari, is right. Clear the area of transience and make the final dash. Let me and the attorneys work out the details with the state over unauthorized footfalls. Once again, you nailed it, Ramona told him, grinning. We can control where his feet land, like dancing instructions. Then we'll know clearance for the actual step, load-bearing underground structures, what have you. Just paint him big red blotches and play follow the leader. Jones raised his eyebrows and let the corners of his mouth raise ever so slightly in what could have been a smile. Thank you, detective. I'll notify your cousin at once. Four anxious hours later, the results of measuring giant rocky inseams, foot size, weight, and trajectory could be seen from air as a clear path to the water that avoided the interchange by a hair's breadth the underground storage facilities with a near ballerina skip, and ending with a mighty Paul Bunyan stride to the water. Meanwhile, the troops and the Metas had combed the adjoining warehouses to extricate squatters, the homeless, and board security guards from the area. Finally, Daniel's engineers marched back to the procession, their last-minute save proving the power of geometry. Ramona stood with Jones, Tesla, Daniel, and Yankee Pride, each muttering into their comm units. It was a surreal tableau, surrounded by people yet ignored and alone. Though she had been dreading it after her tantrum, she clicked onto the mountain's channel. All right, buddy, everything is in place. Can you smell the sea air? Nothing. Sorry, maybe you can't smell. I guess I never asked. Anyway, they have painted big red splotches where you can safely step. If you keep your gait normal... You won't knock the roofs off any buildings, capiche? Still nothing. Phil, I need an acknowledgement before we can proceed. The hard part is over. The giant rumbled at that. Should I come over? She suspected that was the message he was sending. A quick whisper to Yankee Pride, who made a quick call. The dark-winged British metahuman Corby landed before them. With perfunctory, Hello, Ramona. Need a lorry? He hoisted her aloft. They landed on the mountain's abdomen. Ramona gave the signal for the first countdown to begin. The hovercraft at his head fired its engines. Stay close, she told Corby. Go time, Bill, she said into her calm, while staring up at the boulders that composed the mountain's chin and nose. It's a tight fit around here, so I need you to be hyper-aware of your body, like a yoga student. There's no rush. You're going to plant your feet on the big red splotches. They're safe, 
they can take your weight. Well, so we think, Corby muttered. Ramona jabbed him with an elbow. Here goes. Ready, Bill? Slowly, without shifting your weight too much. Raise your head until you can see me and Birdie on your stomach. The giant's head tilted up, lifting the shoulders, until he could see Ramona as a tiny speck past his nose. See? He rumbled. Great. Next one is trickier. You'll have to get your elbows on the ground without crushing the hovercraft. Take a moment to visualize it before you do. They'll get out of the way. On the count of three... One... The engines howled as they pulled away from under his shoulders too quickly. The mountain crashed to the earth, knocking Ramona and Corby off their feet. The sudden shift of weight caught the remaining hovercraft in a bind with the giant's full weight. Metal shrieked as it gave way. The men inside had only moments to grasp what had happened before 1,000 tons of living rock rendered them into gel. Corby, wings flapping for balance, helped Ramona up. Didn't we miss two and three? We missed more than that, Ramona said. Her mind raced with the possibilities all ugly. He wrecked the floater for sure. The blood's on his hands now. Another lurch as Bill planted an elbow and rolled over to his side. Their footing went vertical. Corby caught her by the waist and flapped away from the Colossus. His first footfall landed square on the red splotch, the second on the target across the highway. From her bird's eye view, she wondered if he didn't know how many sailors he'd killed simply by trying to stand up. Regaining her composure, she clicked on the channel. Hold still, Bill. There's been an accident. Let them pull the wreckage away. The mountain spun around. The hovercraft's aft section had been flattened by his entire weight. Soldiers, sailors, and metahumans descended to look for survivors, but several flying metahumans began to circle the mountain. Ramona saw the stretched forms of south wind, west wind, and east wind flying in formation, and a figure wreathed in blue energy leaving a glowing trail. Yankee Pride's voice came down on the primary channel. Containment, people. Unless Detective Ferrari can back him down, we are still moving to containment. Enough with weak capitalist euphemisms, rang a strident Russian-inflected voice. Tesla, give kill order. Tesla's voice came smothered in static. Everyone, calm down. Detective Ferrari, what can you... Jesus Christ! The sound of concrete and steel tearing as if it were tissue paper ended the conversation. The mountain had helped himself to one of the overpasses, and prepared to use it as a club against the flyers. Ramona screamed frantically into the calm. Bill, stop! For God's sakes, before it's too late! Head towards the sea, put that down, and follow the dots! The mountain leaned over the bridge within reach of the tanks. He raised his makeshift club. Hold your fire! Tesla yelled. Back the tanks up! Too late. The mountain pounded the tanks into the pavement with two swift strikes. The remaining tanks opened fire with high-explosive anti-tank shells, briefly creating yellow and red blossoms across the mountain's arm. The tank fire he ignored completely. Instead, he straightened up to his full height, opened a hand up to carry the weight of the world, and spoke. You can't kill me. 
only hurt. Nothing means anything. Come on. Do it. The last words he roared like a volcano. With one swing he toppled the interchange, concrete returning to the earth like a sandcastle hit by the final wave. Those who could not escape the cascade were swallowed by it. I'm calling it that kill order, Ramona heard from the wide band. Metas began shouting orders. Jaws of Life and Leader of the Pack to Rescue Victims, Einhorn and Belladonna Blue triaging those they could heal. Shakti, Handsome, Devil, and Harmony herding personnel away from the giant, the rest unloading everything they had in their arsenal on the mountain. Energy bolts, sonic blasts, grenades, superhumanly strong fists. In conjunction with the tank guns, it was only enough to attract the mountain's attention. Rock and dust exploded from his skin, but he was never truly of one skin. Like a natural mountain, he shed. Ramona ripped the calm out of her ear. God damn it, it's not fair! Why is he doing this to me? What? To you? She focused her rage on Corby. He knows, Corby, how much work I put into just keeping him alive. How much I let myself care about him. He was drowning in self-pity and he wanted to take someone down with him. Well, not me. She set the comm to the open channel and widened it to include the mountain's hastily assembled speaker system by his ear. Attention. The mountain cannot be contained. Escalate to plan B. I repeat, plan B. Choking back a sob, she threw the comm aside. Corby glanced back at the carnage, then took hold of Ramona's shoulders as she wept. Plan B, lass? What is it, a bomb? No, she sobbed. They're already doing it, attacking, trying to pierce his carapace. Plan B. It's for me. It's so he knows that I've given up on him. Corby folded his wings around her to shield her from the destruction raging two hundred yards away. He watched the battle, the giant swatting metas out of the sky. Strong men pushing at his ankles unsuccessfully. Warehouses shredded in kicks, girders used as missiles. Tanks unloading volley after volley of exploding shells. Bulwark risking his life to erect a kinetic force bubble underneath the mountain's foot at just the right time to topple him. More dust clouds. More explosions. The mountain rose, unsteady on beleaguered legs, using his pockmarked arms to swing himself toward the water. Shoulders hunched. His time come. The mountain slouched through the rubble toward the Atlantic Ocean, shoving the hovercraft aside pressing his feet into the continental shelf until it mercifully gave way to deep black water. An invitation to rest at last. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicle, written by authors Mercedes Lackey, Steve Libby, Cody Martin, and Dennis Lee. Read and produced by Veronica Jaguer. Featuring music by Antara Bay, investigating the Phantom Signal, courtesy of MusicAlley.com.